Welcome to Screen Bloody Movies. I'm your host, Jamie Hiles. I'm joined today by Derek Lemaster. Say hi, Derek. What's going on? It is an audio medium. (laughs) (laughs) And that laughter is from Lydia Judy. Say hi, Lydia. Hello. So we're going to start today's podcast uh, like we are going to start most podcasts, which is with the horror news. But first, we're going to kind of... uh, Welcome you guys to our podcast. It's called Screen Bloody Movies. Um, Here we're going to discuss horror news. We're going to um, give our thoughts and takes on horror-related TV shows, movies, and video games. And we're going to each episode review a movie that we've probably seen before or for the first time. And we're going to give our, we're going to deep dive into the movie. Then we're going to give our thoughts and grade the film as well. Um, so first, guys, we're going to start with horror news, and I know you guys enjoy this because you have no idea what news I'm going to bring to you uh, each time. So let's start with uh, the news that Netflix has dropped the teaser for the horror trilogy of R.L. Stein's Fear Street. Ooh, I, I did see this. Did you? What are, what are your thoughts, Derek? I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'm excited. I remember, I, so I have never been a big reader, but I remember watching Goosebumps as a kid, uh, and even then it was kind of scary. So I'm excited what they're going to do with uh, an adult audience. Yep. Lydia? Excited. Um, yeah, I watched Goosebumps. Like I still watch Goosebumps. Uh, like it's It puts me in the best like, spooky mood. I love Goosebumps. I love R.L. Stein. I used to read the books. And um, I didn't read. It was Fear Street a series that he had? Um, Fear Street. I yes, it was a uh, book series he had. That's what I thought. Yeah, I remember seeing them, but I never. Uh, like, that started in the nineties, nineteen ninety. Or let's see. Uh, well, no, that's when the um, series will begin. That's when the story will begin. But yeah, it's based off of a, a book series that he did as well. I'm not familiar with the with the book series either. I uh, I didn't watch uh, or I read Fear Street, but I did watch Goosebumps all the time, and I mm-hmm. I read the books. I mean, I'll never forget reading um, the uh, Monster Blood, mm-hmm. and there's something in the basement, and Night of the Dummy. I remember reading all three of those and being like, you know, I'm a little kid, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of spooky. Yeah. I, I was I was watching Freddy Krueger movies at the time, so it had a lot to compete with. But, <laughs> but I still enjoyed it, and I'm excited to see what, uh, like you said, Derek, what an adult audience uh, version of Goosebumps will look like. Yeah. Um, next on the horror news cycle, we have, um, of course, the uh, we talked about off screen, but. Um, Spiral came out last week and is the number one movie in America. It made, I think, like $8.8 million, which is a lot during the pandemic. Uh, So I am going to go see that tomorrow, actually. So we'll we'll have I'll have like a quick little review of it tomorrow or next week on on what I feel on it. Uh, But the next big news is uh, A Quiet Place is about to be released, A Quiet Place 2. And apparently the reviews have come in and they have been uh, very positive. Um, its release date is uh, on May 28th. 
So what are you guys' thoughts on uh, Quiet Place? What do you guys think of the first one? And are you excited for this one? I liked the first one. Um, it's not, it was one of those where I feel like almost wouldn't have liked it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it, I guess. I did. I thought the suspense was great and I was pretty scared. So did I guess job. plus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Derek? Uh, this might get get me kicked out of this thing. I've never seen the uh, first one. You've never seen A Quiet Place? I have. <laughs> nope, I have not seen it. Now, have you found A Quiet Place to watch it? <clears throat> not yet. But uh, Quincy actually had an opportunity to watch it, and she was <laughs> she was like, yeah, the first five minutes of the movie, I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, the first I one. I do know... Yeah, I know what happens in you know the, the very first part of the movie, so I, I definitely it's on my to do list. But yeah, uh, it's a uh, it's a I, I liked it a lot. Thought it was very good, very suspenseful. Um, like you said, and the sound design is wonderful because it's told through the perspective of somebody who can't hear. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great little flick. I'm excited to see that when it uh, comes out. This is interesting news. Uh, <clears throat> Apparently, Kevin Bacon is still interested in returning to the Tremors franchise. Oh. He wants to do a new Tremors. What are you guys' thoughts on Reboot or... Love it. He wants well, to it do a sequel. If it's a reboot, a yeah. sequel, then that I'm on board for that. Yeah, me yeah. too. So they got close in, um, I'm wanting to say 2015 or so. Let's see. The article here talks about it. Um... It was in time for the 25th anniversary, so it was a few years back. So, yeah, 2015. They, uh, they, he approached Blumhouse to do a, a sequel, and they ended up filming a pilot for a sci-fi TV series that was going to air on the sci-fi channel. And they shot the pilot. <clears throat> the pilot was never released, and it didn't get picked up to series. So Kevin Bacon still wants, he still has unfinished business with Trimmers. He said that's the one of his favorite... Um, one of his favorite properties that he's been in. That's one of his favorite characters. He wants to revisit it. He, I mean, he said at the time he thought that it was going to ruin his career, but now he, uh, now he loves it. So I would be interested. Uh, the last several directed DVD trimmers have been pretty awful. Um, so I would... Well, I, would I mean, it took a, you know, minuscule character from the original and was like, let's go in the direction and make him the main character. That was probably a mistake. Number one, I actually do enjoy them. Cause you know, they're, they're fun. That kind yeah. of cheesy horror, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it'd be good to see. The, the, the Jamie, the Jamie Kennedy ones, once Jamie Kennedy gets introduced, it's, it's no bueno. It then starts get, to get a little rough. Then you get urinated on yeah. one of them. It's what? yeah. So that pretty much sums that up. <clears throat> Lydia is shocked by this Jamie Kennedy revelation. I didn't even know. I didn't even know at all. I watched the well, first one. Was probably one of my peed on him. Yeah, the first one is one of my favorite. Like I used to watch it almost every oh, weekend. Great creature feature. Yeah, growing up, it's a classic to me. I love it so much. And I like the first sequel the a lot one too. Was pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I really like the first sequel as well. I think it's fun. And I used to watch mm -hmm. it more than I watched the first one because it just was on like HBO all the time or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah those first two Earl, right? Yeah, good old Earl. Earl came the back for ass blasters. The ass blasters, man. The ass blasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, this is some news. Uh, 
tomorrow on the last drive-in, um, Bruce Campbell is going to be with Joe Bob. Mm. So that's something we I'm, I'm interested to tune in. That looks like they're playing uh, Bill Lustig's Maniac Cop. Do you guys remember Maniac Cop? I do. I mean, I haven't seen it since I was like seven, but yeah. Yeah, which of course is a great, that's what we watched when we were seven is movies like fucking Maniac <laughs> Dude, the cover art for the VHS tapes was wonderful. I yeah. missed that. Yeah, as I cheesy do too. as they were. They were beautiful, beautiful pieces of art. Uh, so that's that's a little, just a little bit of news. I saw that. And um, I'm excited to see Joe Bob and Bruce Campbell um Combined forces, if you will. Uh, this is exciting. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the new image of Michael Myers uh, for Halloween Kills. Have you guys seen this? No. Let me show. Let me present it and share it with you guys. And uh, let you get your reaction of this shot. There it is. Ah. He's looking pretty stabby. Yeah, uh, I love the, I love the design of the mask from the fire from the last movie. Um, mm -hmm. The burn marks on his mask and on him look pretty great. I feel like. I feel like he would have been a little bit more burnt than that, but. <laughs> Probably, but they, you know, you, uh, you can only, um, you can't uh, mess with the mask. Right, exactly. So I, you gotta, I was just just throwing that. I mean, he was in a basement, iconic, yeah, yeah. just filled with fire. <laughs> but. Uh, he looks great. Looks stacked. Looks big. Looks strong. Uh, that nice, was, uh, nice. if I remember correctly, wasn't that like her uh, doomsday bunker? It was her doomsday yeah. bunker. Yes, that was turned into a trap for my. She probably Mike. had a ton of water down there. Yeah, she probably had a ton of water down there, so that explains well, that. We'll find out, we'll find out uh, exactly how Michael Myers escaped on October 15th. You know, we'll definitely all go and watch that movie, for sure. Definitely. I was, yeah. a, I was quite a fan of the Blumhouse uh, remake. I thought it was pretty, or the Blumhouse sequel, as it were. Um, this is going to do our mandate again? Well, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be watching it uh, opening night. That's no... You have to worry about that. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew about this, but there is a, a sequel to uh, Don't Breathe that is actually already filmed and finished and rated and is due to be released. Uh, what's the release date? It doesn't give me the full release date here, but it's due to be released in this year, I do believe. Really? Yeah. I so had, I had not heard any of that. So wait, I'm trying to remember how that one ended. But is it uh, different characters or? So this is where it gets interesting. It seems like the the plan is to turn the blind man from the first movie into the hero of the series. Oh. So it's following the blind man as he. Let's see if we have a plot synopsis. Um. Several years after the home invasion of the first movie, with the blind man living in quiet solace until his past sins catch up to him. <clears throat> the blind man has been hiding out for years in an isolated cabin and has taken in and raised a young girl orphaned from a house fire. Their quiet existence is shattered when a group of kidnappers show up and take the girl, forcing the blind man to leave a safe haven to save her. 
So they're doing an old switcheroo, turning him into the hero, which I would not have a problem with, ex except, except for the whole, uh, he did have a woman down there and was raping her with a turkey baster. Oh, see, I forgot. I totally forgot that <laughs> part of the movie. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm gonna yeah, be, are you redeemable after that? <laughs> it's a. That's hard to come back from. I feel like, but I mean, I was Maybe on the blind man's. It off. I don't know. Yeah, I was on the blind man's side up until that point. I was like, "Fuck these guys! They broke into his house. You know, they're the bad guys." And then he's like, "By the way, yeah. I have this woman down here, and I'm gonna impregnate her with this turkey baster." And I was like, "Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a step it's too far for me. Hard right turn. Yeah. yeah. It's okay, a step yeah, too far for me. So, um, I mean, I'm excited to see it. It's a different director, but uh, Stephen Lang's return as a blind man, I thought he was awesome in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, I think he's good in pretty much everything he does. He's got, like, a presence about him. Mm -hmm. And then this, mm -hmm. uh, we have a couple horror-adjacent news bits that I'll get into before I get into the, the big news that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, so... <clears throat> We know that uh, Lydia mentioned it to me earlier that they have cast Tim Burton is doing a Adams Family spinoff show focused on Wednesday Adams. And uh, is Nicole Ricci going to be in it? Uh, Christina Ricci, and no. That's what I meant to say. I did mean to say Christina. I know what you meant. <clears throat> no, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, they have cast uh, Jenna Ortega to play the lead as Wednesday in the in the new Netflix series. Um, do you guys know who she is? She was in the second Babysitter Netflix movie, I believe. Yes, the yes, yes, the Babysitter sequel, correct? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I think she looks. She like I can I can see. Like hopefully she'll do good. Hopefully. Yeah, I I think she will look uh, good in like makeup and costume and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek, do you want to see what she looks like? Go for it. I uh, I think they really missed the mark on that one, but <laughs> you just wanted Christina Ricci back, didn't you? There she is. There's a picture. Well, of her. I just uh, she really had a presence about her as that character, as young as she was. I mean, and you know, she's a, a pretty. Decent actress, so and there um, it is. There's the uh, cover art for. Yeah, the I'm sure she's gonna do just fine, but uh, I feel like they, they, you know. So the plot of it, it is up that much higher if they would have. The plot of it is uh, Wednesday is a sleuthing supernatural. So it's a sleuthing supernaturally infused mystery charting Wednesday Adams' years as a student at Nevermore Academy. That's where she attempts to master her emerging psychic ability, thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town, and solve the supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating her new entangled relationship. Uh, what do you guys think of that plot synopsis? I'm so scared. <laughs> I agree. Only, only because I literally love the Adams Family so much i love the original show um i the 90s the, movies yeah the 90s movies the characters mean so much to me like they really do like it's it's really i'm scared that tim burton 
is directing it just because some of his movies have been like hit and miss. And I'm like, you better nail it. Because if you mess up my Adam's family, I'm going to be real upset. Listen, Batman can only get you so far in credibility, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have He's a question just based on movies, the cover so. art. Uh, yeah, the cover art. Is this going to be uh, animated or live action? It's live action. <clears throat> they just did an animated Okay, look. the oh. silhouette. Yeah, it was okay. definitely. Yeah. That, uh, and he's known for that. Yeah, that so style. No, I think he probably had a hand in drawing the uh, cover art. But <clears throat> I am, I, I'm, I'm with you, Lydia. I'm scared, too, about, like, the plot synopsis. When I read it, I was like, what? Why don't you just do a straight-up Adam's Family TV series? I'd watch that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to bomb. And I hope I'm pleasantly surprised. But we'll find out. It releases on Netflix, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, when does it, does it release? Mm, does not give me a date. Twenty twenty one, I do believe, the end of twenty twenty one, probably. So we'll find out. Did you guys watch the animated, the cartoon that came out in the nineties? The nineties cartoon? No, 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 like recent no i didn't oh yeah i remember that no i did not i watched it actually not too long ago and it was like it was okay <clears throat> yeah, it looks, i was yeah. really the that movie like i think came out with a game for your phone oh yeah. um where you like go around and collect things or whatever in the mansion and i got really addicted to that game before i saw <laughs> the cartoon so i was like already like i have this, to be, this like, cartoon for like fine. a year yeah like i was like okay yeah i got it but the other horror adjacent. Yeah. The other horror adjacent news, of course, is that uh, <coughs> found out today that Hocus Pocus Two is a thing that's happening. I'm on board for that one. Yeah. That's long overdue. I don't know. They're not going to top it, I don't think. But. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm. I'm. I'm interested. I'm. I'm not a huge Hocus Pocus fan. I'm. I, Watched it when I was a kid. Actually, I went to the theater and saw it as a kid, for sure. I remember. Um, but I moved on to other things since then. But it's a, it's a staple for Halloween. It, it, every time, every year it's on, I watch it, sort of thing. Um, if But I don't go out of my way to seek it like I do, like, say, um, uh, the, the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown or um, Trick or Treat or, of course, Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's a fun movie. I you seem really excited. Yeah. Even before Clark was born, we watch it like uh, we would watch it every year, at least three or four times a year. <laughs> I watch it. Yeah. We're big fans of it, so I I have high hopes. I uh, watched uh, Ernest Scared Stupid every year as well. <laughs> that's that's a, it's a good one. Ah oh, man, that's a classic. Yeah. So guys, the last bit of news I have for you, I found today, and it's the. Most perfect news to lead into our movie today. Um, once it loads. <laughs> so, um, come on. Are you on dial-up? Yeah, I'm using uh, <laughs> old-school dial-up. The, the link must be, like, all the other links have been working fine. But, um, so I'll just tell you and see if it pops up. If it does, then great. Um, but um, director Lindsay Beer 
uh, is making her uh, film debut with a new Pet Cemetery movie. What? Huh? Yeah, what? so, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like I, the last one was so good. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll get to the last. One. We'll get to the last one next next week. But <laughs> but for for now, uh, the the big question is: we don't know if it's a sequel. We don't know if it's a just another version of. I don't know why they would just do another version of the movie when they just did a version of it. Unless they yeah, unless they just like we want to do a faithful adaption of the book again. Um, but I don't know if it's a sequel to the 2019 movie. It could, for all we know, be a legacy sequel to the 1989 movie, even though it had its own sequel that we'll probably get into one day eventually as well. Uh, but I thought that was... You know... Go ahead. <laughs> that was the longest pause possible. Sorry. <laughs> no, um... What I was going to say is Awkward I just thought that, was, thought that was the perfect uh, like segue into our, our uh, review this week. I, I found that this morning. It mm -hmm. popped up on my newsfeed, and I was like, wait, what? I didn't even know this was a thing. So, I mean, are you guys excited for this possibility? I am now. Because, I'm excited. Yeah. Only <clears throat> if they take it in one direction. So as I was rewatching this, uh, I couldn't help but think of the opportunity that they missed uh, with even the second one that they came out with. But even in 2019, when they redid this one, they shouldn't have redone it. They should have uh, made Ellie an adult mm. and like took a, a different story. And I hope Ooh. that's the direction that they go. They look <clears throat> back to the original, maybe even use the same actress. That would be Ellie as an adult. Yeah, that's a good wow. idea. If she's still acting, but if not, you can definitely I cast her with it. a strong female lead. But yeah, that's she a, is. I that's a good uh, that's a good idea. I mean, we'll get into that. We'll do we'll do some fantasy uh, casting and some fantasy sequel booking maybe at, at the end of the show. But uh, right now, let's get into uh, the reason we're here tonight, which is Mary Lambert's 1989 uh, adaptation of Stephen King's. Uh, Pet Cemetery. Oh, bite, Judd. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. So let's, let's give a little background on our experiences with Pet Cemetery, each before we get into the to the movie and start breaking it down. Um, so in 1989, I was three, and. I remember when I was no older than four, you were zero. Yes. <laughs> Derek, how old? 45? <laughs> uh, excuse me? <laughs> no. Uh, I was, I was six. Yeah. In so, I was six. I, uh, I remember seeing this movie when I was about four or so on uh, VHS. I remember watching it with my uh oh my god <laughs> with my grandpa and with my dad uh it just was at the time just this another fun scary movie i loved scary movies and this was another in that line of secession i've always enjoyed it um and i had some takeaways this time i watched it that i didn't expect to have um which i'm i'm excited to get into 
Um, what's, mm -hmm. what's your experience with this movie, Derek? S similar? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you break it up into two uh, experiences because uh, I haven't seen this movie in quite a while. So revisiting it was really good. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a kid, one of the scariest movies that I had seen. I thought it was really well done even back then. Um, not knowing like even part of, because uh, I'm not a big reader, I didn't read the books. So that was the only experience I had. <clears throat> and then as a, as a parent, you know, revisiting this movie, you have a much different perspective yeah. as well. And you yeah, kind of talked about that. And that'll be fun to get into. Yeah, but, we'll uh, definitely dive into that <clears throat> once we get to that point. Uh, Lydia, this is one of your favorite horror movies. Yes. I don't, I, I can't even tell you specifically why, but I think it, the feeling of the entire movie, the story, the, just like this underlying, I, something you can't explain about it to me. It's like, it just hits me and it just sticks with me. And I, I, I just love it. I love it so much. Yes. I, I know exactly the feeling you're talking about and we'll get into that. Uh, because I, I felt that this time watching it. I, I felt it before, but I definitely felt it this time watching it. So the movie opens with, um, I think, brilliantly. I think it opens with uh, the, these like really cool, creepy shots of um, the, the pet's gravestones. And we hear the, the children's voiceover, uh, you know, saying, you know, this is my dog, Spot. Uh, he, I love you, Spot, blah, blah. And they, this like really cool little introduction to it while playing one of the creepiest fucking themes I've ever heard. I forgot mm -hmm. about that theme. I did too. And it kicked in and I was like, it's like, it almost, it's very, very similar to the uh, Amityville horror theme, that little, and I was, I was like, oh man, as I was watching it last night, I was like, man, that, ooh, look at how creepy that was. Mm -hmm. So it sets the mood, I think, pretty well immediately to the kind of mm -hmm. like, the kind of creep factor that you're going to be experiencing with this movie. And then uh, we segue into meeting the Creeds. Um, we meet, which is Dr. Lewis. Is the, Dr. Lewis Creed is the father. Um, he, he has a daughter named Ellie, a son named Gage, and a wife named Rachel. Um, and they just moved into Maine from Chicago. We find out a little bit of like backstory that he Lewis doesn't get along with his in-laws in Chicago. And so this move was not only a professional move, but I, a personal move to get away from that drama. Um, and kind of introduced to them there with this like kind of hallmarky little, oh, what do you think of the house, honey? Oh, it looks great, Doc. Kind of bits. And then uh, we're introduced to one of the best characters in horror fiction when little Gage uh, gets wanders a little too close to the road. And then we're introduced mm -hmm. to uh, Judd Crandall, played by Fred Bloom. Judd Crandall. Oh. You guys have any thoughts on Judd before we move forward? Love. 
Love him. Oh, yeah. Herman Munster, he'll always be. I think <clears throat> I will say, uh, yeah, one of the things that really caught me only because I hadn't seen the movie before was you cut from the cemetery directly to the foreshadowing semi barreling at you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a I great transition. Was like right in your face irony. I feel like uh, we'll get we'll talk about that a little bit later. I feel like the the semi uh, foreshadowing is good, but there's one point where it kind of just is a little too much. Like it's a little too on the nose. It's like we get it, mm-hmm. which we'll get to here in a minute. But uh, Judd Crandall's one of the uh, one of my favorite characters in in fiction. I think he's one of my. Uh, one of the most interesting, mm-hmm. complex characters. Um, he's this jovial kind of, uh, especially how he's played here. He's this jovial uh, older man who has lived a full life, uh, whose wife has moved on, his wife's passed on. And this young family moves in, he kind of befriends the kids, befriends the family, becomes like a father figure to Lewis. And this whole time he's harboring this kind of dark secret that he just can't, he has to share it and him sharing the secret is what sets the whole story into motion, uh, which is pretty yep. great writing by Stephen King, who, by the <clears> way, <throat> wrote the script for this movie as well. Uh, one of the few adaptions that King wrote himself. That's why it's so faithful to the novel. Yep. Um, so we get the, the first semi scare, the second semi scare, I guess, after you, the transition into um Meeting, uh, he, he, we, they, he, they look down and they see the, the path. What does that path lead to? And we get this great ominous shot. Yeah, of, like... Gets a great ominous shot of uh, Judd. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's a great story. Uh, walk you down there sometime. Tell you the story, too. It's <laughs> a great main accent, which I love so much. Um, mm-hmm. And then we... We cut to, uh, you know, we, we have like a, oh, a breakfast scene or what have you, a uh, little domestic scene. And we cut to uh, introducing our next character in the movie, which is Victor Pascal. Um, how do you, so you had something to say about this, Derek. So, I mean, the movie, we go from, uh, we transition to, you know, have a good first day to boom, Pascal being dragged in by these folks with mm-hmm. his brain hanging out essentially and he tries to revive him they yeah. do the whole thing and then uh after he flatlines on the table he wakes up and he talks to lewis and has this speech about stony is a man's heart in this whole really cool dialogue and then dies again um first of all how do you guys think that introduction for that character went in this movie and what do you think about it so it's probably because it's not the novel adaptation and uh the movie's not three hours long but uh though i had a like the question i had that come coming away from that scene was oh well how did he know (laughs) how did this random stranger just inherit this information and how did he know like this foreshadowing, like, hey, here's a warning <clears throat> type thing and knew the doctor's name. So that, I'm sure it's probably explained in the book, but uh, there, you know, it just seemed like a little piece, like they took out a key piece of dialogue that might have, you know, made that more relevant. 
but uh, it confused me a little bit. What do you think, Lydia? Um, I think it was necessary to have that, and that character is a really cool character. Um, I think it's cool that he, like, you know, he jumps up and says his name, and he's like, how did you know my name? It kind of gives you that supernatural, like, there is something going on, you know, that... I mean, just that guy's gone and now he's back and he has this knowledge, you know? Right. Um, I don't, I don't know what, you know, you don't know what the explanation is, but it's just scary. It's just, it's effectively scary. Right. I agree. And I feel like, uh, in my, my interpretation, even when I was a kid, how I, I always interpreted it was he dies. And once he dies on the table that first time, once he dies, he's given this information by <laughs> whatever, whatever the other being would be, a god, uh, uh, the giant turtle from it. I don't know. Just whatever your, uh, the other side is. You can't, gives, you can't fathom it. Yeah, and he's given this information because he's, and he wants to help this guy because he tried to save him. So he's like, hey, don't do this. Uh, all I know is that this is bad news, so don't do it. Don't even start to. But he kind of like, uh, he, he's too early. Because it doesn't make sense to him yet. He's like, what are you talking about? And how do you know my name? And why'd you spit mm -hmm. blood in my face? <laughs> but very effective scene, a very cool introduction to this character, which you think at the time is just this, this is the scene just for this dramatic kind of thing, which leads us to the very next scene, which is one of my favorites in the whole movie, which is when Pascal visits him the next day, or the, that night. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a kid um, watching Pet Cemetery. when Pascal visits him and tells him about the, the, the Pet Cemetery, uh, used to, like, just terrify me. Just because the way it's shot, the, the fog. Uh, I remember for a while I would only wear pajama pants because Lewis is in shorts. And I was like, or he's in, uh, I only would, I would not wear pajama pants because... Lewis is in like his uh, scrubs, and I was like, maybe if I wear my pajamas, yep. they'll come and visit me, and I don't want that. So <laughs> I'm gonna not wear my PJs to bed. <laughs> the logic of children, right? Uh, but I mean, he of course he takes him there and, and and relays, you know, don't go over here, and it lights up in this really cool kind of shot, and it's uh, don't mm -hmm. go over there. That's bad news. Did that did that affect you guys this time watching it? <laughs> I don't think um, I didn't I didn't feel as affected by that part this time. I don't know what it was. Um, I was just like you know all these warning signs, like literally handing this guy so many warnings. Everything is going wrong. <laughs> like what are you doing here? <laughs> you know. Don't go there. Yeah. How many people have to tell you not yeah. to? <laughs> How many times does the same dead guy have to tell you not to go over there? Yeah, <laughs> just exactly. don't do it. Just don't. Just get out of there completely. Right. And, um, <clears throat> yep. So that, that takes us to basically, uh, we have the, uh, I'm, I'm making sure I'm not getting my timelines wrong. I didn't write any of this, this part down, but. We transition from that into like we visit the pet cemetery next, right? In the daylight with Judd, Ellie, Gage, Rachel, and 
uh, Lewis. And here's where we get a little bit of just yeah. what the story is about. You know, this is where they bury their mm. dead. And this is where Ellie, which is what affected me most watching it this time, is Ellie's um, uh, comprehension of death. Mm-hmm. The story is Ellie coming to terms with what death is as a five-year-old child, which is pretty, pretty dark stuff, <laughs> really. It's pretty dark yeah. stuff. Uh, so, you know, it's like, well, what's over there? Uh, you know, we don't go over there. This is, you have to bury them in the outer circle, blah, 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 the whole thing. And then um, we get like a uh, conversation with Ellie and Lewis, where she asks, comes and talks to him about what if church dies? And he's like, church is fine. Don't worry about it. And we also, during the, the, the uh, pet cemetery scene, we find out that Rachel is very uncomfortable with death. Like she's just um, almost petrified of the idea of it. Traumatized. Traumatized, yeah. And we get like just an inkling. We don't know why yet. And um, mm-hmm. so after the, the everybody leaves for Thanksgiving and Lewis stays behind because of the aforementioned parents, the in-laws thing. Um, Lewis has a uh, has a dilemma when Church is found dead at on Judd's property, um, and of course, you know he's like. And at this point, this is where the movie could have completely. <clears throat> this is where we wouldn't have had a movie, obviously. But this is where <clears throat> the big the big decision happens. If Judd just tells Lewis, "Yes, we'll go bury." We'll go bury church when Ellie's back. We'll tell him about. We'll tell her about it. We'll go bury blah blah. Then there would be just a regular life, yeah. regular movie. But at this moment, Judd can't stop himself from saying, "Well, I know that your kid is going to be devastating. She's not ready to learn about death yet. So follow me. We're going to bury. We're going to take it to the pet cemetery." Which is funny because he was the one at the pet cemetery. Like, why? like so confused why the mom was like she doesn't need to know about that and he's like looking at you know yeah. Lewis like what, what is her problem death is like a totally normal thing that you should teach your kids <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting because it's not like uh so I guess what it is is he is fine with teaching her about death but he doesn't want her to experience death yet he feels like mm-hmm. she's still too young to experience death yeah. which is really which makes Shelter. his character really sweet yes he, he is sweet he's a sweet guy he just makes terrible mistakes. <laughs> yeah, just like one big terrible mistake. Which is what monumental. Which is why I, I love that character so much. He's complex in that way. Mm-hmm. And so we get, you know, the the whole he first of all, when they're going up to the pet cemetery, I've gotta I've gotta discuss this. They're going there and they're climbing up the trees. Lewis walks up and he looks and he sees the big branches and the, the big enclave that he have they have to climb that the night before, or a couple nights before, Pascal showed it to him and it lit up and he said, don't go over there. So he walks up and he sees it and he's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna follow this old man up here. Now, I don't know about you, yeah. but if I got visited, <laughs> I mean, you could write it off as a dream except the fact he wakes up and there is dirt on his feet Yeah. the next morning. 
So you know that this has probably mm-hmm. happened. And then you go and you see it and you're like, huh, that, I think that guy told me not to go up there. Might as well try it. Let's trust him. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I, I was Where's thinking that Biff too. when you need him? Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Lydia. I feel like. Um, think McFly. Judd was like just up there. Like he like sprinted up that thing. And, like, gave Lewis no choice. He was like, well, I have to go fall. Like, what if he falls? Or, like, he's an old man. Like, I would go, I would probably be like, oh, crap, I got to get up this thing, too. I, I might have followed as well. But then when he was like, you've got to bury your cat up here, I'd like, nah, dog, it's it's good down there. So, of course, he, he starts to dig. And we get a cool shot that I really always liked when he, uses the pickaxe and strikes the, the soil and it sparks because it's so hard. Um, because, of course, we know the ground is sour, mm-hmm. as they say. Um, so we get, uh, we get that. And then, um, of course, the, like a few days later or what have you, uh, and maybe even the next day, Lewis is in the garage and church pops out at him and scares the bejesus out of him. And, of course... Uh, we've got, I got to take a second here to talk about how cute all of the cats that played church were. Definitely. I mean, that's a really pretty cat with its, with it's all gray and it's like fat fluffy face. Yeah. It's a good one. So, um, yeah, so church is alive back from the dead and he's mean. He scratches Lewis once on the face. Uh, just because I think because he's messing with him, but that doesn't make a cat evil. Yeah. Cats, <laughs> cats do that shit anyway. <laughs> but, exactly. But um, you're just like grabbing a cat in your yeah. face. It's, it might Ripping be swinging at you. Hey, what are you doing? So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, church is back. He stinks. He's a little more violent than he used to be, though. He's not. It doesn't seem to be towards any of the family. Like he still cuddles with Ellie, and he still cuddles with Rachel. So it's interesting. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> Judd comes in and they have like a conversation and he, uh, talks to him about, um, he's like, I don't, I don't understand it. You know, I saw, you know, I, I'm not a vet. So maybe he wasn't dead. He's like, Oh no, he was a dad. And then he tells him the story about his dog spot. Um, well not yet. He doesn't tell the story about spot yet. First he tells the story just about, he's like, yeah, so that's what happens. You know, he comes back. And he's like, has anybody ever tried to uh, bury a person up there? And he says one of my favorite quotes, which is, Christ on his throne, no. <laughs> and he, like, spills all the beer on the table. After he, he knocks his, his beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a great, just a great reaction. I love that dialogue of Christ on his throne, <clears throat> no. What a funny Stephen King line. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so he's like, okay, well, I'll put that on my mind. Um, and then we have church you know is, is there and the family comes back ellie has a uh um said she had a dream that church died and that judd, judd and uh him buried him at the pet cemetery mm-hmm. which is the start of her having psychic abilities now i know you had a question about this derek mm-hmm. you want to tell us what that question yeah, was <laughs> So what was your question about? <clears throat> she's uh, she's too on the money with a lot of what she says. And uh, yeah, it just makes you uh, 
wonder why that is. And I think you have an answer. I do have an answer. So um, when I was a little kid, I, you know, when she started having her psychic abilities and Pascal started uh, communicating with her and, and what have you, I took it as just, you know, oh, okay, so she's randomly psychic. But if you read, if you read the book, you'll know that Ellie actually has the shine. Um, just like, you know, Danny Torrance from The Shining and a couple other characters from the Stephen King book universe. So that's just the thing that I think Stephen King just took for granted. Didn't want it to be, people think it was a sequel to The Shining or something. So he left that completely out of the, of the movie version. But yes, for anybody that wonders why she has this ability, it's because she has The Shine. Um, which is, I think, is 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 really cool a way to tie all of his uh, stories together. Um, so we oh, we find sure. so we find out this. Uh, she has a Ellie has another great conversation with Lewis, where she discusses um, <clears throat> death again, and talks about how uh, what happens when we die. Because the part that I'm missing here is there is randomly this like caretaker character in the movie. Like, she is literally just randomly there. I have no idea what her purpose is in the story, yeah. except Missy. for to Missy. She's there literally to add a body for the body count, I feel like, and to give them a reason to talk about death. Uh, yeah, for sure. So she... <clears throat> did, uh, did it ever... Go ahead. Because did... she, when, when she did her thing... Uh, like she's maybe like, we'll just talk about it when you get making breakfast. I'll wait. Okay, so so <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, the bread. yeah, like like you were saying. I mean, she, this character we hadn't mentioned her yet. We haven't mentioned her. She is a caretaker, right? Uh, like a does mm. the laundry and what have you. And she's been having these like yeah. stomach cramps or what have you. And Lewis is like, oh, I, uh, I can help you with that. I'm a doctor. And she's like. Oh no, it'll go away. It always does. <laughs> and then she randomly, next next time you see her, she writes a note. She's like, I have cancer in my stomach. <laughs> Goodbye, world. Is that what the note said? I was multitasking. Yeah. Is that what it says? I didn't it says something see that like part, that, right? Yeah, yeah, she had like taped a note to her. Yeah, I the, didn't note, read it. the note says something like, I, I have cancer, I think is what it says. Something like, I know this is cancer. I'm tired of the suffering and then pins it to herself and hangs herself. <laughs> now, Awful. I remember watching this as a little kid and I just always, I completely just mind forgot you. about that. Yeah. This is after a doctor just, you know, asked her if he would, if she could help her, if he could help her. So mm -hmm. <laughs> like, no, it's yeah. fine. I got a plan. Yeah. Don't worry. I've got an idea of how I'm going to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh she hangs herself and so they go to her funeral um and that's where ellie has another conversation about death with lewis following it and uh jed says says a really uh, important thing at the funeral which is how's your cat lewis and he says well it's ellie's cat he said not anymore it's not because mm -hmm. you bury your own so she has this conversation with him he says that which is actually a really interesting and sweet conversation that they have when he says that he, you know, I believe that we just go on because he looks over at church and she's like, 
Yeah, I, I have faith in that. Yeah. Um, you guys like that scene? I really, really enjoyed that scene. Yeah, I like that scene. And uh, so then we... I mean, if there was anything that came out of that uh, death, then it might as well be a good conclusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, or not. I mean, he, he believes it. He believes it because he has, like, literally seen it right now. Like, the cat yeah. came back, like... Correct. And he's been seeing a ghost, so... <laughs> so it's not like he's just going on faith here. He's going by shit that's happening to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, I think we... I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure there's things that happen after we die. <laughs> oh, do you have faith in that? Well, no. A, a fucking dead guy came and visited me last night, and yeah. your cat was dead just the other day, but he's alive now. Yeah, he's like, I didn't believe that until today. <laughs> <laughs> but this sets up the scariest part of Pet Cemetery, which is Zelda. I just wanna I just wanna listen to you guys talk to me about Zelda. You start, Lydia. Tell me about Zelda. Zelda is so scary. I don't even know where I would start. It's like especially like watching it as a kid. I think now as an adult, I'm like I can handle that. <laughs> like how is that the scariest part of the whole movie? <laughs> but it is. <laughs> it just is. So, Derek, uh, tell us who Zelda is and tell us about your experience with her. Uh, so, Zelda is Rachel's uh, older sister who uh, died when she was younger. <clears throat> she had what it was... Uh, not scoliosis. Spinal uh, meningitis. She had some disease. Yes, spinal meningitis. Spinal meningitis. Yeah. So and she was, yeah, she was kind of like the family secret, the or I guess the shameful family secret. So they kept her kind of hidden away um, as an embarrassment, and uh, you know it says a lot about the the parents. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean. Yeah. <clears throat> the uh, the in laws. Will, will... They're 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 total dickheads. We'll we'll talk about them later. They are just terrible people. Oh yeah, awful people. So in this first scene with Zelda, we get a uh, just a couple of quick shots of her because she tells us about. Um, mm -hmm. she. I mean, they're not quick shots necessarily, but we get just the scenes of her being like sick. But we see this woman who's like emaciated, and you can see her spine, and she's all like, oh, oh you know grossed out mm -hmm. with her face and the grossest scenes when she's trying to feed her and she's like like the slops going everywhere and we find out that she start she dies on Rachel's watch when Rachel was eight years old she stuck with her dying sister at age eight like that's terrible yeah uh, and that would definitely scar me from death mm -hmm. for sure yep um, sure. so, so it's a great like it's a uh, great responsibility to put on someone so young. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you get this uh, this very interesting and uh, scary character introduction, and that's all we get. And then um, we go from that creepiness straight into uh, you know Lewis saying basically, "Fuck your parents." <laughs> yeah, I love that scene too. I really love how he was like. 
you know, that's terrible. Like he tells her exactly the truth of the, of the situation. And then he's like, you know, I'm going to go get you a Valium. And she's like, I don't do that. He's like, no, you are take like, you need something right now. <laughs> like, this is terrible. And I, I just felt like he really like cared about her, you know? And I love that. I love seeing that in a movie. Cause I feel like some movies just completely miss the point of like people being married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. It is a great, like, uh, it's just this great moment of, of him being on her side and, mm -hmm. you know, saying, hey, it's okay that you feel this way. And you're not the blame here. It's your terrible, terrible shit ass parents. Yeah. Um, who, you know, not only did they keep her a secret, which was terrible, but they left you in charge of her when she was probably clinically insane at this point. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. that first glimpse of Zelda in that scene, you feel nothing. You, I mean, you, you're, you're, she's scary, but you feel this sympathy. Like, wow, that's got to be terrible for both of those. I mean, you know, that's terrible. Yeah. We'll, we'll revisit Zelda and her sympathy goes away once we revisit her later in the film. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, Zelda terrified me as a child. Terrified me. Um, what's next? What comes next? Is After it the uh, picnic? The picnic is next, yes. Oh. I believe it's, I do think the picnic is next. I, it is. Which, I uh, okay, so now I can say this. Yeah. Because we're at this point. After the very first day when you're there, and what happens as far as, like, uh, Gage getting close to the road, how you are not on the phone with a handyman, like, hey, I need a fence in front of my yard. <laughs> Like, how that is I not the first thing you do? I wrote that in my notes. Like, the whole moral of the story is just to get put up a fence. Yes. I, thank you, guys. I literally, <laughs> I literally said that exact same thing. I was like, I was watching it. And it gets gets to the picnic scene uh, when Gage gets hit. And I was like, how do they not have a... Uh... So, first of all, how do you not have a fence? Because not only do did Gage almost on the first day get hit, but Judd made it a big deal about how mean and dangerous this road was. And then your cat gets yep. killed by the road and you bring it back. And then you're like, ah, I still don't want to spring for a handyman to put in a fence. Or I don't know. Uh, right. Watch your kid, man. <laughs> watch your kid. <clears throat> well, and uh, kids, kids do have a tendency to just kind of wander off and you sometimes let your guard down. But uh, yeah, Would you around I don't that know road, how you had like all these warnings? Uh, heck no! <laughs> I'd have made that fence myself. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a doctor; he has no excuse. He's got the money. <laughs> so. so now we're at the point where uh, the movie takes that turn, where Gage um, gets hit mm -hmm. by a semi. Um, when I was a kid, that always messed me up because it was one of the few movies I saw where a kid actually dies. When, you know, uh, if we go back to our horror roots and especially the slasher movies that I grew up watching, it was always teenagers or adults that were in peril. Mostly teenagers, but teenagers and adults that are in peril. Little kids are usually spared and most times animals. Pest Cemetery breaks all those rules because they kill church twice. <laughs> and they kill Gage twice. Yeah. Yep. 
<clears throat> I had a different uh, take on this now because my son is three, right? So he's a little older than I think what Gage is in this movie. But, uh, you know, you're right. That's It's a very shocking scene because it does kind of uh, break that tradition of who lives and who dies. Uh, I actually had to skip that scene when I rewatched it not recently because it was like, man, I, I don't think I can watch that only because you look at that and you're like, what is that was my son? But anyway, so it hit me a little harder now being a parent. I um, so I had to skip it. Yeah, I can see that. I used to skip it uh, when I watched it when I was younger too. Um, my first experience with the movie, I actually, my mom was watching it in the living room and probably like on a Sunday, like folding laundry, just watching horror movies. And I walked in and sat down and, you know, I'm just watching. They're just having a picnic and having a beautiful time. And um, he gets hit and I bawled my eyes out. <laughs> I just like cried so hard over that. And I, uh, I lost a brother when I was young. Uh, he was stillborn. But that's my first experience with death mm. was losing a little brother. And it really, I was like, I, I mean, and my mom was sitting there. I'm like, how are you watching this? Like, what is going on? And she had seen it, you know, and she, she was okay. You know, she knew what was going to happen. So she had braced herself, but she was just watching, you know, having a great time watching me bawl my eyes out about it. <laughs> but then I watched the rest of the movie and was like, this is the coolest movie I've ever seen. Yep. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was my, my first time watching it. I don't know why after that experience, it's my favorite movie. But yeah. Um... <laughs> no, I, uh, no, I, I, I don't remember, like, I don't remember the very first time I watched this movie. I just remember watching it when I was young. I remember glimpses of seeing it, you know, of, of watching. I know for sure I remember watching it on a recorded VHS at my dad's house, for sure. I remember that. I remember watching it with my grandpa. But when I was younger, the Gage thing, like I said, was always like, oh, man, that's, you know, that creeped me out because he was, you know, killed this time. Um... I'm not a father yet, but I could imagine as an adult, just that, that kind of the powerlessness of him being taken away, especially when he's so close to grabbing him at the road, you know, he gets, he gets so close and he trips and he just can't quite grab him. Um, having said that, uh, definitely shouldn't have just turned his back to him while he's flying a kite in the middle of a, field where there's a death road <laughs> yeah probably not the best but this leads us to the big the big shift in the movie this leads us to uh everything after that after he dies uh first we get the uh we get the story about um earlier we missed the story i i was right it was earlier when judd tells the story about when his doll came back and it wasn't quite the same it was a little different his dog Spot. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, he came back a little more aggressive. He said when Spot died in his sleep peacefully years later, he left, he buried him in the regular spot so that way he could rest in peace. So then after Lewis 
loses his son, they have this conversation and he says, you know, I, I know what you're thinking. I already know what you're thinking. You know, don't, you can't do it. And then Ellie comes in from downstairs or from upstairs holding a picture of her engaged in a wet, which by the way, broke my heart. She's holding this, this picture up to her chest and is like, I want Gage back, what have you. And, uh, you know, uh, Judd has a nice little conversation with her. And Lewis is just, he's gone. And he's like, uh, you know, Lewis, go, go, go tend to your daughter. She needs you. And he's just, so Judd gets up and he's the one that goes tends to Ellie instead about this whole situation. Um, and then um, we have this funeral scene with Gage, which is like strike number three on Rachel's parents are, or at least Rachel's dad is a giant asshole. Like, oh man, I made a what? note. I'd have killed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I, I don't know how you can be so insensitive that, uh, I mean, even if you wanted to have that discussion, you know, at a funeral, at that funeral, it's definitely not the time. So when they got into the scuffle, I'd uh, probably went to prison because I, I couldn't have taken that. <laughs> Lydia, your thoughts on the, the funeral fight? Um, yeah, I don't know. I was kind of, um, I just kind of felt bad. I wasn't really thinking of them as like terrible people as much as like people who had experienced such pain over this thing that has happened. And like, you sometimes can't control yourself at all when you're, when you're just in shock and in, in that much pain and trauma, like you can't, like you literally just can't imagine you know that happening to someone you know or love like so i i almost, i was sympathetic for them now i would i would tend to slightly agree with you except for the fact that we know that these are the parents that locked zelda up in a room and left their 8 year old daughter in charge so my scales tip tip back to mm -hmm. this guy's an asshole yeah he's just an asshole uh, for sure. When he, you know, he yells at him, he's like, well, I told you this would happen, you know, uh, basically you're no good for my daughter. And I was like, bro, how are you any better than me? You lost a kid too. And yeah, you fucking and kept her locked up in a closet. Yeah. And it's like, what kind of parent is like, yeah. you're no good for my daughter when he's like a really sweet, like guy plus a successful doctor. Well, because you're a short, bald, fat dude. <laughs> it's just like, jealous that yeah. this dude's got is ripped. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Full head of hair. Yeah, so well, that, that I don't scene... know that they ever explain the backstory, do they? Maybe I missed this. No, it's no, never it's really just... explained as to mm -hmm. what no. issue they have with him. Because no, to Lydia's it's just point, one of those who wouldn't want their daughter to marry a doctor. Yeah, and look, and if you're in trauma, I get it, and all that, but. A funeral is not the place to do that regardless, especially at your grandson's yep. funeral with your son-in-law who just lost his child. And not only did he lose his child, but he witnessed it. He has the blood splatter on him from it. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it's rough stuff. So then um, Ellie and Rachel go to Chicago. So 
Lewis can take care of some stuff back home before he goes, which we all know means bringing Gage back from the dead. Um, so we have another conversation with, uh, with, with Pascal telling him, bro, this is bad news. Don't do it. <clears throat> I know it sucks. Lewis has a conversation with Judd where Judd tells him earlier, Judd tells him after they bury, uh, church, he tells him, you know, a man's heart is stony. The same thing that... Mm -hmm. Pascal told him earlier. He says, he says, the soil of a man's heart is stonier. Right. Which, just like the, just like the uh, soil in, in that, in that grave, basically. Mm -hmm. And I so. Really, I like how he compares it to, he says something about women are good at keeping secrets, but like men are better, you know? Like, yeah. And it's like, you can't, you know, there's just something about like, a man with a secret which is what uh, which is what judd is this whole movie mm -hmm. and then he finally tells sits down and tells lewis the story of uh what's his name do you have his name timmy timmy baderman right timmy I baderman yeah. i just wrote down timmy <laughs> yes timmy <laughs> yeah so we find out the story of Timmy Baderman, who was a um, a veteran of the Second World War. Uh, on his way home from the Second World War, he is killed um, and awarded a Purple Heart. Um, and his dad is, of course, grief-strucken. And he buries him up in the uh, sour soil of the Micmac uh, gravesite. And Timmy... Yes, Timmy comes back as like, uh, dude. At one point, he's like eating like a leg of a of a child. It looks yeah, like he's, he's just a zombie. Yeah, basically, yeah. he's a zombie. So he comes back as a zombie, eating the leg of a child at one point. And uh, so Judd and his posse get together. She comes and talks to us men folk, <laughs> and they uh, decide to, to put an end to it. So they go up there and they try to get the dad out of the house. They do what people did back in the 40s, which is just burn shit down that they don't understand. Uh, burn it with fire. Yeah. Fix it. <clears throat> fix everything. So they burn the house down, and it kills both of them, Timmy and his dad. And at that, from that point on, they didn't bury anything in the McMahon burial ground anymore. They knew it was off limits and bad news. Um, so he tells Lewis this, you know, he's like, why did I keep this secret for so long? I don't know. And then he has this great moment where he says, I feel like I'm the one that killed your son. You know, I feel like I did that. Yeah. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I feel like introducing you to this is what caused this. So this is when Lewis starts to basically just say, <clears throat> loses grip on reality. And he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to... Uh, well, Pascal actually alludes to that as well. Yes. In the uh, car scene, that the it's an entity that has an agenda or has a force. Yes, which, of course, we know is the Wendigo. It's not in the movie, but in the novel, it is the Wendigo. That's the, 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 the ancient evil Indian spirit that is 
possesses the the Mi'kmaq burial site is the the Wendigo, which they hint at it one <clears throat> time only in the whole movie. Yes, and there it's just like a sound in the woods, and he, like they just kind of get nervous, and they're like, "What was that?" Like, and oh, then, it was just a loon. Yeah, uh, Judd said it's just a loon, and I had to look up. I was like, "A loon? What is a loon?" Apparently, it's some kind of duck. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's a bird. Yes, a bird. And I was like, "What kind of bird do you know goes?" Because right. when I was little, when I was a kid, whenever he said it's just a loon, I thought it was a crazy. Bird. I thought he was like just a crazy person out in the woods. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a loon, guys. It's just a loon. <laughs> so, so Lewis basically, he he does it. He goes up there. He digs up Gage and he buries him in the knickknack or in the Micmac uh, burial ground. Mm -hmm. Throws rocks on him, goes home and crashes. Meanwhile, while this is going on, uh, Pascal is communicating with Ellie, tells her everything. She's and then she starts to communicate with Rachel, who uh, starts to put it together and she can start to hear Pascal. And he's mm -hmm. able to communicate with her. He's trying to save Lewis and stop this from happening. And um, mm -hmm. during this, on her way back, we get our second glimpse of Zelda, which is where we found out that Zelda isn't this, is, is a, a malevolent spirit. She's not a nice person. She's talking about how she's going to get her. And she will, and that's, I'm going to get you, Rachel. Mm -hmm. And she's all like, uh, and <laughs> That's what I did not like that when I was a kid. <laughs> did not like that at all. I do not yeah. recommend that. So we're starting to see this. And then in the background of these shots, when she's talking, when she's at her parents' house, you see this picture in the background of Zelda when she was a child wearing this like little hat and this little blue suit. That's what that picture was? That was Zelda as a child. I didn't which, even know that. Which makes sense when you see Gage wearing the exact same outfit. Yeah. Man, that so, picture was creepy. Fucking really creepy. Even as a kid, I was like, I think that's even creepier than... No, okay, it's not creepier than Zelda. <laughs> Let's not get carried away, but... It is Zelda, apparently. <laughs> it is Zelda. That's why I still had the creep factor to me. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, and that's when he sees his mom, is when he's wearing that outfit. Yes, yes. And yeah, we'll yeah, get see, to that. I'm just putting this together. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that here in a minute. So, uh, yeah, so we, uh, she has this trek home, and Pascal's like helping her throughout the whole thing. He's holding the, holding the plane for her. He's, uh, her car breaks down, and he's like, they're trying to stop you. Don't let them stop you. And this is where you find out that Pascal's awesome, and you're like, yeah. Yeah. Pascal's well, number one. You could take a couple frames out of this movie of Pascal, and then you could almost see where he's kind of aiding the entity. I mean, obviously he's trying to stop it because we have that that insight. But you you could you could manipulate this a little bit, and he kind of pushes that along. Well, he's like trying to. What yeah, so he's trying to get. Too. He's trying to get her there to stop, so she can stop Lewis, because he feels mm -hmm. like that's the only person that can yeah. stop Lewis. Um, and yeah. Judd feels the opposite. Judd feels like if she comes, it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. So he tries to keep her from going when she makes a phone call to Judd saying, I'm on my way. We can't find Lewis. So Judd goes out on his porch with his six pack of beer, like always. 
and he's watching the house waiting for Lewis to return. Well, since Judd's like 85, he falls asleep and misses Lewis coming <laughs> home. Uh, and during this meantime that Rachel's on her way, um, uh, Gage uh, resurrects and walks into the house. Yeah, with his little hand. Coming out of the yeah, his little hand. Then uh, he ends up in the house. You see his little foot, feet prints, and he uh, grabs a scalpel out of Lewis's bag. And then Judd mm. falls asleep with a cigarette, which is always a terrible idea, too. Yeah. Wakes up. Right. Wakes up and uh, sees a little, little muddy feet print, and he knows what Lewis has done. So he goes into the house, um, you know, trying to figure out where he is. He's looking for him, pulls out a little knife, and Church scares Judd, and Judd gets cut right in the Achilles tendon with that scalpel. Oh, right through. What a great yeah. scene. Oh. I love the whole scene, and I love how they you know cut what, directly you know to what it. I felt? Hang on, Derek. What were you saying? Liam? I love that yeah. whole scene is great, and I love how they cut straight to the ankle. Like, I mean, it's so like, you're just like, ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Derek. I couldn't help at that moment as he was uh, in the process of getting killed by this two and a half foot child that uh, he deserved every bit of it because <laughs> it was all his fault. I, that's the only thing I could think of when this was happening. Like, ah, oh, you're, you know, this is karma, buddy. It was, his, it was his fault. However, I hate to see Judd go because he's one, one of my favorite character. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, so, I mean, he gets his mouth slit, which is weird the way it happens. Yep. Yeah. And then Gage just mm -hmm. flat out bites his throat out. Like, rips it out. Which yeah. And he does nothing with his arms about it. I wonder what the, I wonder if the direction, <laughs> I'm wondering if the direction to Gage, the, the Miko Hughes, the actor, is, was like, now go and kiss him on the neck. Yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> and then he funny. rips it off. The best part is it rips off and he's just, it starts to go. Um, so Judd's dead. He's our first casualty in the movie besides Gage, of course, in Pascal. But he's our first, like, murder. So Judd's dead. And then Rachel comes home next, makes it to the house. Uh, after getting a ride from a weird hitchhiker or a weird uh, uh, semi driver. Oh man, <clears throat> that's like one of my uh, favorite, one of my favorite lines in the movie. Whenever she is looking up at the truck driver and he says, you know, something along the lines, of, "I think, I hope everything's all right." And she's like, oh, "I'm sure it will be." And then you you see that scene of Pascal and is like, "I'm not." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The door shuts and you're like, "Okay." Yeah. He's like, "This is the forest." This is as far yeah. as I can go. The thing about that is really confusing to me why he says this is as far as I can go because I'm, later he is at the freaking. I'm wondering if that's as far as, like, uh, if the entity wouldn't allow him to go any further during that time. Like, because he's trying to interfere. Like, he just can't cross that barrier. Be Maybe. Because yeah. he's at the house. And I mean, in the, in the, he does take him to the pet cemetery at the one point, but they hadn't been resurrected yet. 
there was nothing there yet. Just the entity was dormant. Well, in my interpretation, yeah, I guess it wasn't a dream. And then, yeah, because um, it's almost as if the entity gets stronger throughout the movie as the things happen. When when Rachel goes into Judd's yeah. house after she gets back, and which, by the way, I don't understand why she doesn't immediately go into her house when she gets there. And I mean, I guess she sees the Judd thing, but I don't. I would have the, the lights on at her house. I, she's wanting to see her husband. I would have went there first mm-hmm. and been like, "Hey, what's going on, Lewis?" And then be like, "Oh shit." Gage is alive. We, you got to go. We got to figure something out. But instead, she just, she's like, Judd, and just walks over to his house, and kind of just barges in. Hey, Judd, <laughs> and she has the confrontation with uh, um, Gage. First, she has the confrontation with. Uh, she walks into the room and she sees the scariest version of Zelda yet. Yeah, where she's creepily hunched down talking about how she's finally getting her revenge and she's going to kill her. Then we cut to Gage walking at her. The, and, and basically, the implication is that the spirit that is in Gage is Zelda. Oh. That's Zelda that's coming after her. Oh. That's why she... That's why he's dressed that way. That's why he is saying the things he's saying about her. That just blew my mind because I never interpreted it that way. <laughs> That's wild. So Zelda is using Gage as yeah, the best. This is a minor thing. So he had a wardrobe change. Like he, so he was in his little suit. Uh-huh. And he switched to this the outfit that he was wearing when he, he killed uh, the mom. Then he switched back to his... No, uh, he's in that same outfit. He's in that same outfit. burial suit. He's back in... He's in that... I think that... I think he's buried he, in that suit. I think that suit is what he was buried in. Which is crazy. Because... Yeah. Yes, so... Yeah, and that's... Why that's was he when buried he kills in that? Judd. He's yeah, in that suit, right? It's the same suit the whole time. When he kills his mom, it's the same suit. That suit is what... The picture of Zelda, it's the same thing. It's a unisex, uh, creepy suit with a top hat and stuff. Weird. I just thought it was a bad, like, fashion choice of, like, the year that it came out. I was like, why did they put him in that suit? But it totally makes sense that that's the suit from the painting. Yeah, and so the it's... Fact that Zelda... I mean, that... Because I was kind of interpreting it as, like, Gage was using uh, her fear of Zelda against her. So the fact, I've never thought of it as like, that was like Zelda's spirit coming after her because I didn't ever actually think Zelda was like an evil character. So because she went clinically insane, yeah, I think right. she was. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so basically when Gage comes back, Zelda comes back. I think and, I just have too much empathy for these characters. <laughs> so that's like, why oh, she's poor, that's why Gage Zelda. is saying the pointed things towards Rachel about Zelda. And that's why when she first sees him, she sees Zelda and she doesn't see Gage. Cause she opens that room where he is and sees Zelda crouched down in the corner. 
and small and coming after her. And then when she falls and she, or, you know, she does this and looks again, the voice changes to, hi, mommy. Hi, mommy. And she sees Gage in its place. Mm. That's the switch. It's so they are the one and the same. Wow. So she is killed off screen. Rachel is killed off screen. Um, um, and then Lewis wakes up. And we, he, after apparently, he just, just zonked out the whole night. He's like, oh, I got to dig it up, my son. And reburying him was just too much on me. I need to take a nap. I need to just yeah. sleep through the night. Wakes up, sees maybe Gage. He took the volume. Yeah, maybe. Sees Gage sleeping, or sees his little feet prints, follows him out. And realizes what's going on. So he grabs two syringes. Uh, well, three syringes, actually. He grabs three syringes. And uh, goes over and throws a piece of meat to church and puts church down with the little death liquid. <laughs> we never know. We never know what it is. Thanksgiving for, for cats who came back from the dead. Yes, exactly. So church is out of the picture. He goes in and... Uh, a sidebar, a really weird scene. When he walks in, everything is covered in like moss. And mm -hmm. this, too. this smell, and just he's like, oh. And then when he walks up the stairs, it's not like that. It's just he hallucinated it, or he's seeing how it really is, or something. What do you guys take of that? Mm -hmm. what, what do you interpret that as? No, I noticed that as well. <clears throat> uh, I would think it's more of a, it seemed more of like an illusion. Um, that's how I took it when I saw that. But that's I did awesome. notice there was a complete change in <clears throat> in the way everything was set up. And Yeah, like for a second there, it's like he walked into Jordy Barrel's house. <laughs> and he's going <laughs> to stop talking about the meteors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, he goes upstairs and he gets scared by, uh, Rachel, which by the way, how was Rachel in the attic in hanging? Zelda well, you get super it. strength when you come back as a, uh, zombie child. Apparently. Mm -hmm. that's one of those things that I just, it bugged me a little bit. Cause I was like, I just don't logistically understand that he pulled down the, that he pull it down and then like drag her up, <laughs> up the attic and then tie the noose and then get it ready and then when waited for Lewis and then just pushed her down. Uh, but yeah. he, he finds Rachel hanging. Finds Rachel hanging. And then he sees creepy uh, Gage up in the, in like the lid of the attic. And which you could, which if you, if you watch it now in HD, which I did, you can see is like a weird mask. Mm -hmm. A weird mask of, of, of Miko Hughes, essentially. Going, yeah. Ah! <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And then he does this weird flying thing when he jumps at him. <laughs> <laughs> he takes a dive, for yeah. sure. Yeah, straight Superman's at his face. Yeah. And then uh, they have like Those a little scuffle. effects of the 90s. He has this, they have this scuffle, which Gage is, for some reason, like just whooping his ass. He's straight up beating him down for mm -hmm. a few minutes. Yeah. Um, he drops his first syringe, grabs a second syringe, drops it, and then throws Gage down the stairs. 
And then, uh, you know, calls him like to him and jabs him in the neck. And we get this. No uh, fair. Yeah. No fair. No fair. No fair. Great, great last line. No fair. It is a great line. No, no fair. fair. Yeah. He's just so hurt. Like, he yeah. I Yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, I would, after my wife died and my little son is coming at me to kill me, I, I, I'd probably just let him do it. <laughs> As opposed right? to having to kill him myself. Uh, you know, and at then that just point, be just left. Like, oh, you know, I made some mistakes in life. I'm just going to accept this. You can't. You have a daughter at home. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's <clears> then he goes and makes the, yeah. Work, yeah, obviously. the worst mistake. But he... He has a daughter at home. I mean, that's, you know, he's got to, he's still got to survive. He's got to be there for his daughter. And the funny thing about when he, uh, after he kills Gage, after he injects him, Gage goes and falls down and is laying in the corner. Mm. And then he gives this evil, evil look. Yes, he's so mad. And then dies. Um, when I rewatched it, when Gage falls, it looks like poor little Miko Hughes actually just like, conk! It's his little head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was padded and everything was fine, but it, just the way it looked, I was like, oh, poor, poor guy. It looked like he genuinely just tripped. Yeah, just <laughs> And they were like, oh, perfect. So then Lewis uh, goes and uh, tortures the entire house, uh, including his son's body. Which, I mean, I don't know how he's going to explain how his son's body got there when they go through the remain. I don't know how they're going to, he's going to explain any of this. Right. Takes Rachel out, instead of just leaving her in there as well, carries Rachel out and then says, I, I think I've waited too long with Gage. If I do it right away, it's going to work. And Pascal, of course, his mind. telling him no. Yeah, exactly. He's lost his mind. Except, did he or is he just stupid <laughs> at this point? <laughs> Like he just doesn't like understand. Point, I feel dumb. like I would lose. I yeah. Like, yeah, you would have lost your mind, and like nothing, uh, nothing is is actually affecting him the way it should in reality. So he, of course, buries well Rachel. and uh, good, Derek. Well, so this actually was probably um, of all the things like uh, the most unrealistic part of the entire <laughs> it sounds weird but uh how do you set a house on fire on a road that is that busy and when his wife does come back the police have not arrived yet <laughs> <laughs> and that house is like completely to the foundation and there's no police cars no i was like where'd everybody go you do make a good point i mean they yeah, do make a ahead. they do make a, a point of that road being you know it chews up pets and it chews up people and then they're like Except for yeah. if your house is on fire, then you're screwed. We can't get the fire grade here for nothing. So he buries Rachel. We don't see the burial. We get this scene of him playing solitaire. And the door opens. She walks through and she has this like gnarly eye wound. Like what? what yeah. is that? Half her, half her face is gone. Yeah, and it's like spewing stuff. Yeah. And then... He like they they make out, which is really gross. <laughs> that was the scene that really I was like, I was like that that seemed out of place in the movie for me. Exactly, 
because I was like, ugh, like I, the yeah. whole movie, I was fine, and then at that part, I was like, oh, that's gross. Like I literally said that out loud. So I have a little bit of yeah, I have a problem <laughs> with the end of it. We'll get into critiques here in a second, but yeah, you're right. It does that. You know, she they're kissing. She pulls the knife, and then it like does this weird like undercranked slow motion for some reason, and then it cuts to a random rock song and says a Mary Lambert film. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a tonal 180. Like what a weird way to end that movie. Like what a weird choice of that song instead of like a somber song or, you know, yeah, something. Yeah. It's like, they go into, do, 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 do. yeah. In a pet cemetery. Yeah. And you're like, weird. Yeah. Oh, it's like, weird. like, I get it. You want to have your title song at, at play the, yeah, credits, but it just doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. Yeah. And that song has been stuck in my head ever since I watched it. <laughs> and that is Pet Cemetery. So now let's get into our uh, each of our critiques, our loves, and ratings. So we'll start with you, Lydia. Um, I the first thing that pops into my head that I wanted to say was, um, when Judd calls Lewis about the cat is when um, uh, they're talking uh, Rachel and Ellie are kind of in the room playing or whatever and Rachel's talking to Lewis about going on the trip for Thanksgiving and Judd calls and is like your cat is out here but if you look the cat is like literally in the house in that scene like the cat is on the ground at, at his feet and then he gets the phone call and then he goes outside and the cat is like stuck to the ground. I never I noticed like, that. Oh, the cat is right. I never noticed it either until this rewatch. So That's actually really funny. Yeah, it was like the cat was right there. Now it's just outside. He's been stuck to the ground now, all night, apparently. Now, I, now I'm wanting there to be a cut where he goes, uh, that's church, all right. And then church is in the background going, Wah! like, it's not me. I'm right here, bro. <laughs> I'm right here. You just can't cat. tell cats apart. Cats are cats yeah. now. Yep, yeah. that's church, all right. Oh, look, <laughs> that's church, all right. <laughs> um, so that's that's one note that I had that I was. Um, and also, oh, I just looking at my notes. Uh, there's a scene where I think I forget what where the scene is, but Judd is sitting at the table, like just like eating something, and I I was like, is that? a pickle and peanut butter sandwich that he's eating. <laughs> it looks like a peanut butter sandwich is sitting there and he's like got pickles lined up and he's eating pickles with a peanut butter sandwich or something. That is an old man thing to do. So it probably, yeah. probably was. Which I never saw that before either until this watch. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm like looking really close. That's I don't know. hilarious. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't peanut butter. But it looked like peanut butter. There's definitely pickles in there. There's a pickle sandwich. Yeah, definitely pick. I mean, it was like the little pickles, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I genuinely don't know what he was eating, but it looked weird. Derek, um, what are your... Uh, oh, go ahead, Lydia. No, no, no. I'm just like, I'm just looking at my notes. Just some little... Uh, not necessarily rating yet, but your any critiques yeah. you have. Or strange things or critiques. Take your time. Are you talking to me or Derek? Derek. I, I don't know who we're talking to now. Derek. Yeah. Uh, uh, me? Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with my pros. Uh, 
I thought the cinematography in this movie was great. There were some scenes in this movie I was just like that. Those were like perfect choices. The opening, um, this, like the cemetery, uh, was wonderful. Uh, even the uh, Indian burial ground. <clears throat> just it, I thought it was a really well shot movie. Um, let's see. The biggest critique I have of this movie is actually the main actor, <laughs> Lewis Creed. I thought uh, everybody else was really well cast, but not him. Uh, there was just something about the way he delivered some of his lines. Um, I just thought that he was a weak point of this movie. I feel like if you had an actor that maybe could have uh, interpreted the role a little bit differently, could have made it that much better. Yeah, I mean, that's my biggest, uh, that would be, I agree with that. That's one of my biggest critiques of the movie, too, is that there's some scenes where he's good. I think that he's very good and sweet when he needs to be. But there's other scenes where he's just wooden. Mm -hmm. Like he's like a manic, and he's like, that's church, all right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're like, what is, you know, what? and I don't know if it's direction or what, but he's definitely wooden in spots. And I, I thought that uh, the, the last watch before this one that I watched it, uh, because when I was a kid, I didn't really know. I didn't really pay much attention to it. But the last several watches of this, I felt the same way. I was like, I don't think he's a bad actor per, any, per, per se, but I don't think he's strong enough to carry the movie either. He's kind of, um, mm -hmm. he's just wooden. Wooden is the best word for it. He just, he, he doesn't know how to emote enough in certain scenes. Certain scenes he is good. Like uh, Yeah, there's a... Good. I was going to say there was a scene at the the beginning of the movie after they moved into the house where they're eating breakfast. And uh, this is when Ellie like mentions, you know, like uh, you promised me that, mm. <clears throat> you know, the cat's not going to die. And, uh, you know, his wife makes him promise. And then he, he, the way he delivers that line to her, uh, if he, if he dies, you have to explain it to her. It's just so flat. I'm like, man, that was like, <laughs> it stuck out to me, obviously. Well, that's how he delivers a lot of the lines is very flat. There's just this kind of, um, yeah, you know, unless he's yelling or emoting, his, his delivery was always flat, in my opinion. So, like, if he's, like, yeah. yelling, like, you know, uh, when Gage gets hit, no, or, or that sort of stuff, it's like, he, he's, Decent, but when he like just has to deliver regular dialogue, it's like sounds like he's reading it off of a off of a napkin. It's just like that that kind of yeah. flat delivery. <laughs> if I don't he dies, mind it. I think you will go with it. Yeah, I think sometimes it um, adds to that weird feel of the whole movie. But I think other times, like there's um, when he's about to, or he has just dug up Gage, or is about to dig up Gage. And he's just sitting there talking to himself. And I was like, what is this scene? Like, what is this dialogue? It's so Yeah, it, and it's very, it's the, it's the way it's, it's performed. It's performed very badly, very weird. Like, he's mm -hmm. just like, I will do this. This is what's going to happen. It's that kind yeah. of that flat delivery. And it's like, it, yeah, uh, that's my biggest, I think that's my biggest con of the whole movie is that. Uh, because I think everybody else is well cast and well acted. I do have... Um, a, a, a small problem with whatever Rachel's outfit is. 
like when she goes at the whole last act like what the crap is that with the, oh, the heels looks like she's a flight attendant yeah. yeah in the weird like yeah. colored uh thing fastened like this it's like she looks like she's 55 years old and she's supposed to be like a hot to trot little i i thought of a flight attendant yeah yeah it's like very oh, awkward yeah. i was like all right whatever and then also another one is uh Lewis's cool red hat that he wears. <laughs> he, he puts it on and he's like, what, Judd? You found church outside? I'll be right over. <laughs> it's like, why did you, like, well, are you going fish? I don't understand. Are you just sitting around the house and you're like, let me put on my house sitting clothes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, wardrobe was probably yeah one of the one of the weirdest parts of the movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, Judd's wardrobe was perfect. I mean, he looked like he should, you know, overalls and flannel shirts and what have he, you. He is just, I mean, he's just beautiful to me. Just like I just love looking at him. I don't mm. know. What it is. Like I just, I want. I wish he was in more roles like that. As do I. I agree. He, uh, we'll get into a bit of trivia about that here in a second. Uh, before we, uh, any other pros and cons? Uh, the pros, I think, the, I think the movie itself is uh, very well paced. I really dig the, uh, the cinematography, like you said. The writing is really strong. The dialogue's are really strong. The performances, for the most part, are really strong. It's well directed and well edited. Um, and it has its, its deeper emotions than I remembered it having. Uh, one little, another nitpicky mm. uh, con of mine is what we talked about is that ending. Just uh, like it doesn't fit the, re the tone of the rest of the movie. And I'm a gore hound. I'm all about give me the gore, give me mm -hmm. um, the effects. But that just seemed completely out of place. So... Look, that was, that's a good segue into, before we give our ratings, that's a good segue into trivia about the movie. Some trivia bits I know uh, and looked up at some point. Um, but that wasn't the original ending of the movie. That's a reshoot, which is probably why it doesn't seem like it fits. Oh. So the original ending is very similar. It's actually a pretty much a recreation of the uh, book ending, which is... Um, Lewis playing solitaire uh, in the house. The door opens, uh, and Rachel puts his, her hand on his shoulder, and then it the book ends. She says, darling, and it ends. Ooh. And that's how the movie ended, which would have been much better, in my opinion. Would have just been much creepier. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, some other bits of trivia. Uh, um, Fred Gwynn had to actually dye his hair white because his hair was jet black even when he was that age. Really? Yes, he had to dye his hair white. What? Yeah. Wow. Well, if you remember in uh, My Cousin Vinny, That's it's impressive. black hair. You know, it's he had to dye it white <laughs> yeah. when he got the older roles because his wow. hair just stayed black. What the heck? Yeah. The genetics, man. Yeah, he was yeah. awesome. Genetics. He reminds me of my grandpa. My dad's dad. That's who he reminds me of. Um, another bit, uh, 
this movie was originally going to be directed by George Romero. Um, it was to be shot. Really? Yeah, it was to be shot immediately following Creepshow. There's actually an Easter egg in Creepshow to this movie, uh, which is uh, when I, we, I don't remember which short it is, but there's a semi that appears, right? And the semi uh, was basically segued into it somehow, but it was like a hint of Pet Cemetery, you know. And then uh, mm. something happened with schedules, like it got put in turnaround, and George couldn't do it. So it was um, it, Mary Lambert ended up directing it, and George Romero ended up directing uh, Monkey Shines instead, which is a good one. Also, the the actor they wanted as the lead in this movie originally was Bruce Campbell. Can you imagine? Oh man, there's yeah, an old I can't. World. I really can't imagine. There's an old world like. where Bruce Campbell played the main character in this. Now he probably would have played it Only straight. Wasn't that reality? He would have played it straight. He would have definitely emoted more. We know that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, something that. Uh, Kind of surprised me, Mary Lambert, the director. Um, this was her second uh, feature film, first horror film, that was, uh, which is fantastic. And uh, she had only done um, a, a bunch of music videos before this, so it. Uh, I was very surprised and happy to see that you know, a female directed a, a really great horror movie. Uh, she she did a great job. Uh, she. Um also uh, directs the, directed the sequel, which we'll talk about at a later date. But it's a movie that is com have completely different tone, style, and dare I say, quality as well. <laughs> um, so final thoughts on uh, Pet Cemetery. Uh, what, is, what would you rate this movie, Lydia? 10 out of 10 pumpkins. I'm sticking with my pumpkin rating. <laughs> <laughs> Derek? I, it's my favorite movie. Of course, I'm going to give it a 10. Did you anything uh, stick I out? I would go with a 7. Okay. okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Lydia. <laughs> She's hitting on me now. <laughs> it was like, I don't agree. I, uh, <laughs> I would give it, uh, I'd give it 8 out of 10 pumpkins. Um, I was leaning towards seven before I rewatched it because I was like, it's good, it's solid, I like it. Then when I rewatched it, I really enjoyed it more this time than in previous times, uh, mainly due to, uh, I just felt like it was, it has more going on than just a regular, um, just a regular, um, horror movie. Like there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of subtext, a lot of good, rich writing. Uh, and Stephen King's definitely trying to say something in the movie. So, yeah, I'd, I'd give it 8 out of 10. I would probably have given it higher if, uh, um, you know, the delivery wasn't so flat on a lot of lines. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's two things that would have really bumped that up for me. And one would have been, I think, uh, a, even a little bit better performance from that specific actor. But I feel like it was just missing like one or two scenes to add some context to to some key points to like really round out the story, I think would have made a, a difference as well. 
what I what I really use their full two hours. What I really enjoy about this movie is the um, is the fact that it is a horror movie that is not about the scares or the gore or the uh, of the big set pieces. It is a horror movie that is about the feeling of dread and the tension, and it actually holds that pretty well. Uh, which is different than most movies that we're going to talk about. Because I mean, I love the, I love the gore and the the jump scares and the fun and the action and the set pieces. But this is a quieter horror movie, even though it's made in the bombastic slasher '80s. This was a, a quieter movie during that time, and I think it holds up well because of that. So yeah, eight out of eight out of ten pumpkins for me. Um, any final thoughts on Pet Cemetery? No. Nope. Recommend it. Yep. Recommend for me. Recommend for you. Lydia obviously recommends it. Which brings us to uh, our topic for next week, where we are going to discuss the 2019 remake of Pet Cemetery here on the show. Uh, I know that we have some of uh, uh, our panelists here that have some uh, strong feelings towards this film. And uh, strong feelings for sure. And Derek, you have not seen this. It's gonna yet, be right? fun. It's gonna be a blast. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have to watch it. Although I will say, if anybody does watch, you know, our uh, podcast and is interested, there is a great deal on iTunes right now. Eight Stephen King movies for twenty bucks, which is pretty awesome. And uh, the nineteen eighty nine Pet Cemetery is part of that. <clears throat> you can't beat that. We'll, we'll review. ITunes, but anyway, we'll review some of those other Stephen King movies so, just so you don't have to buy any more. <laughs> <laughs> Save you some money. <laughs> well, I've got the lineup for the next eight weeks or seven. <laughs> Listen, guys, yeah. I'm just throwing this out there. What do you think if we do, uh, you know, a graveyard shift? I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm only buying it if uh, Maximum Overdrive is in it. It is not, but we will talk about that someday that for sure. That was not one of them. <laughs> we will talk about that one yeah. one day. So, um, anything you guys want to plug? Anything you want to mention before we uh, sign off? Uh, there's our website uh, at Hila Productions, H-I-L-A-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S.com. Uh where you can get uh, some upcoming news on the uh, future projects that we are working on. Uh, if, if you don't know, uh, Derek, me, and Lydia are, uh, we are amateur filmmakers. Um, I, I write and direct movies. Derek produces and shoots them, and Lydia does our makeup effects, and sometimes acts even, if we're in a bind. Right, Lydia? Yeah. Right, yeah, that's what you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> So you can uh, stay tuned for, uh, if you tune in there to our uh, visit the website, you can find all the upcoming information on there. You can also visit our Facebook page at highlightproductions.com or at facebook.com slash highlightproductions. And you can um, catch us on YouTube as well, where you are probably listening or watching this video. So uh, stay tuned. Next, next week we'll be discussing uh, the 2019 Readaption, should we say, 
of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. So until then, uh, I'm Jamie Hiles for Lydia Judy and Derek Lemaster telling you if you're going to scream, remember to scream bloody movies. <laughs> <laughs>